0: Action right away when you have kids. You can't really can't wait until you have kids to start thinking these things through. Um, you know, oftentimes I think that's what happens. As, as newly married couples, you focus on your own marriage and you don't think about what might uh, what might come in the future. And then you get into a situation where you have kids and you're busy and you have things to do and you don't really put together what are we going to do about this parenting thing. And um, so we're going to talk uh, a little bit about that this morning. So the topic that. That uh, Ron gave me was how can we be unified in parenting, and um, you know, hey Jason, there's an outline there. Um, So this is really going to end up being more like how do we be unified and why should we be unified and in what should we be unified. And so I'm going to bang through this stuff I think pretty fast this morning. So uh, I gave you something to write on this morning, so there's you can grab something, uh, you can grab some ideas here and write them on paper. So, you know, a lot of times what happens is, as I said, we're married and we have kids and we haven't intentionally put in any energy or thought or study into what we're going to do about being parents and how we're going to do that in a way that's pleasing to God. And so, you know, intentionally, what what I mean by intentionally is we don't actually allot some time to that. We don't actually think about how are we going to discuss this out as parents how are we, as husband and wife what are we going to work through and how are we going to come to conclusions about how we can be on the same page and what we should be doing so that we are pleasing God in our parenting so you know the obvious answer to is you know the obvious answer to how can we be unified in parenting is first of all you got to talk about it you, you actually have to have discussions about it it's not it's not just going to happen you know happenstance it's not just going to happen in the day-to-day of going through you know going to work coming home and taking care of the kids and it's just not going to happen it has to be some intentional time put together uh to actually talk about it and you know my personal opinion regarding you know a good way to do this is you know get away from the kids or if you're not doing my kids yet get out and uh, i think there's outlines there um so, getting out to an actual opportunity to talk about it, and you know make that a pleasant thing you don 't want to go out and you know make it a study time at the library or something you want to make it a pleasant time together, so get out to dinner, maybe go through those thirty five questions which Um, I gave on the back of the sheet. There's a link there I realized that you cannot click a link on the paper and that wasn't the best way to do that I tried to find a QR code really fast for it, and it wasn't working out in the time this morning So anyway, I think you could figure out how to find that uh, on your phones or something, but it's also in, the, it's also in uh, under the Becoming One group in our messages. So if you want to look in there, you can click on the link if you want and get there. But that's just a great list. You know, that's going to talk about, that's, going to, that's a, a list that you can talk about your marriage with. Go through some serious questions, some deep questions, and don't answer them yes or no. It's for discussion time. And I would recommend going to the link because they sort of give you the, the ground rules for going through these questions. But We've talked before about that. Then, you know, that's dinner time. And then dessert, you get some chocolate and some whipped cream. It makes it a little easier and sweeter to talk about issues with the kids or the, the serious things about dealing with your children and, and parenting, right? So, you know, you go through that. You're going to discuss that. A great way to do that on the back of those sheets, I've got the 25 Ways Parents anger children like how they provoke their children in anger we may have talked about that in this class i know i've probably brought up one or two or three you know in other things we've talked about but that is a great list to look through as parents and it's not just don't just look at okay how are we not going to anger our children is think about it in the bigger picture how are we doing these things or how are we not doing these things that we should be doing and what does that look like what is, how do we need to change in our family in order for those things to be true? And I, I've said before, I teach that when we do the ACBC Fundamentals training for the biblical counselors. For, for the parenting section, I use that list and just bounce off of that. And when I don't talk about angry kids, I talk about all kinds of stuff off of that list because it's so broad. There's so many things to address as far as relationship with our kids go so you know get that list out and sit together and talk those things or some other list have a list of questions that you want to talk about when you get out together what are your thoughts before you get there don't what i'm saying is be intentional about it just don't be haphazard about it now if you're not able to get out without the kids then you know make some time to stay in after the kids go to bed make it a late night if you have to whatever you have to but just make some real time to talk about these things many people just don't think about the long-term consequences of the actions and the the things they put into place in their parenting they just don't think it through and so consequently the kids get to be in high school or college or junior high or whatever and they're going why are we dealing with these problems well Some of it was put in place by you early on because you didn't think it through ahead of time. And this is where I might start rubbing some people raw here. So, uh, you know, so some examples of that. Will you allow your kids to go to their friends' homes for sleepovers? Well, that's a question. Now, if you don't know why this would be a problem or why I would be asking that question, then come see me afterwards. I'll be happy to give you a long list of reasons why that might be something to think about. Uh, will you get your kids involved in sports, music, dance, or some other regular activity for which they, you, and the rest of the family will need to work around? What's that going to look like? I mean, you know, I want my kids to learn how to play piano. Okay, you know, that's good. And that might be just be going to a lesson every week and maybe it's no big deal, but I want my kids to play club soccer. That's going to be a major project, right? You're going to have to drive all over the place or fly all over the place or whatever. You're going to be, it's going to be a, a big time commitment. Will you drive your kids to perform well in sports, banking on the scholarship, that they may or may not take them into a whole new new environment of college away from your influence and that of the church body and teaching? Are you going to Are you gonna drive that so that they end up going somewhere where they may not be getting good teaching? They may not have good influences. You don't know because you're here and they're in Iowa or whatever. I know that there's good Christian colleges out there, but there's not so good kids still going to those Christian colleges. So, it, you know... Think it through. What's the, what's the situation? Um, last one. Will you send them or allow them to attend a college at distance, even a Christian one where they may or may, may or may not have a good church? And then thinking that through. Are you okay with your son or daughter meeting somebody at that college in California and they meet somebody from Michigan who's also there in California and now you have a child that's moved to Michigan? There's nothing wrong with that, and if that's what works out, great. But is that what you want? I don't know. you got to decide that for yourself. So just, I'm just throwing some things out there as far as the long-term effects of decisions we make very early on. Dating, what are you going to teach them very early on? Are you going to let them get their idea of what romance and what dating and, and marriage is like from watching cartoons? You know, Is, is Disney going to be the diet that's going to tell you what love is like in marriage? or having kids other all kinds of other media that could do that so we're formulating very early on their expectations regarding relationships now you know i'm going to talk to the dads here a little bit but you know in these things mom oftentimes is is engaged with the kids more during the day And she's hearing what's going on and she's seeing what's going on and what their influences are and what they're being attracted to. And so dads need to listen to the moms when she's telling them this stuff about what's going on in the house. And he needs to be attentive to that and asking some questions and being intentional about what's going on in the home. How do we need to conform to God's word in a better way? What do we need to change in order for that to happen? When dads don't listen or pursue knowledge, on how to parent well, overall, they tempt their wives to discouragement. So I don't know if you guys know this, but there's a longstanding tradition in the church, I think, that on Mother's Day, we talk about how great the mothers are. And on Father's Day, we tell you how you all need to straighten up and fly right. So today, today I'll be talking about how the dads need to get on the page with the moms, probably, or at least that's how it worked out. Okay, secondly, so talk about it. Next, read about it. And I got to be straight here. And maybe I'm talking, preaching to the choir. I don't know. But if you are not a reader, become a reader. Um, you know, that spiritual giant. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> Spir- that spiritual giant, Mark Twain, said, uh, that was sarcasm. The man who does not read good books has no advantage over the man who cannot read them. So you're no better than somebody who can't read a book if you don't read books uh you know don whitney and the spiritual disciplines for the christian life he's talking about a remote foreign village that has no bibles and he's saying what a tragedy is that they had no bibles and how they 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 drummed up some money just to get them a few bibles for this entire tribe that had nothing and he says afterwards he says it's one thing to be unfamiliar with the scripture when you don't own a bible it's another when you have a bookshelf full and i would say that's probably true of this class I mean, you may not have a bookshelf of bibles but you would certainly have several resources. And if you don't, we have a library upstairs. Wait, no, we don't. We used to have a library upstairs. There's books around here in the church somewhere. But anyway, ask somebody, we'll get you, you know, point you to the right resources. So read some materials and discuss and how and what should be implemented in your home. How will you as parents apply God's word in your home? So this puts you guys on the same page. If you guys are reading the same resources, good resources, and you're talking about it, it gets you on the same page as parents. Now, if mom's just reading it while the kids are taking a nap or something and dad doesn't get around to it, doesn't make the time for it, then you're going to be at odds because she's going to have something in mind. He's not going to be on the same page and you're going to be crisscrossing as far as leading the kids. So dads need to listen to the moms and and be on the same page with the resources. Now, the reason I say that is because there's two ways that we, and this is just sort of basic, right? There's two ways that we learn. You either learn, learn the hard way experientially, right? The school of hard knocks. You either learn that way, or you learn the easy-er way, and that's by reading what other, or listening or watching what other people have put out there as far as what they've learned from their hard knocks experiences, right? And so that's where you're going to get your knowledge from. And the smarter way to do that, obviously, is to learn from other people's mistakes, not your, not make them yourself. Now, uh, that first option, the hard way, when you think about it, really is not an option in most of our parenting. We cannot wait to learn the hard way. Kids have... Too much formation going on very early on that we can't make mistakes and figure out from those mistakes and hope to uh, do better on the next one. That's not the way to go about this. That's, that's really not an option. So we need to be in to, uh, into good resources. God gave us to steward well. He gave his children to steward well, and they can't be test cases for us to figure it out. We must learn from others. So learn, So who do you learn from? Well, you learn from those who have a high view of and a love for the scripture. Those who have counseled many parents with issues already. So they're not just raising, they didn't just raise their own kids. They've heard other issues. They've heard other things that go on in the family. They've dealt with those. They've worked it through. They've thought it through scripturally. And they've taken the time to put that experience into resources for our study correction and encouragement. So those resources resources are, so I'm going to give you a few um, I, I didn't get the titles. Maybe we'll put those together and get them on the uh, on Church Center or something. But authors like Ted Tripp and Stuart Scott and Lou Priolo, John MacArthur, Wayne Mack, Joel Beakey, all these guys are guys that teach the Word, they love the Word, and they've written books on parenting. So those are great resources. And if you're really hard up for something to read, you can read Mommy Tend Your Heart. Um, so, this is my wife's book. <laughs> um, so, and, and this is the this is a highly sought after version. It's the author's version with all kinds of notes and stuff in it. The <laughs> corrections to be, be made. Um, so, there's good resources out there, and you know, get them and go through them together. So get on the same page as moms and dads. How are we going? How are we doing in our stu- stewardship of our children? And our parenting and what do we need to change in order to be good stewards <laughs> of that so have you allowed some things to become priorities that shouldn't be what else do you have time for if you don't have time for parenting to god's glory so if you don't have time to read and study and discuss this out what do you have time for that maybe is a priority that shouldn't be a priority okay and i'd say the same thing about the expense of this can you afford all these books well, what can you afford what can you afford that you can't afford these books? You know, what's a priority? What's the, what's the money priority as opposed to studying to parent your children well? So the foundation and authority for training our kids is the scripture. It's not our opinions because God's word is authoritative. Uh, ultimately, whatever convictions and conclusions you come to must be subject to God's word. Every question, every house rule, every principle, every goal, every habit, every discipline you're trying to instill into your kids must be undergirded by a biblical reason for doing so. So having rules in the house is good. We talked about this earlier, thing, But having rules in the house is good. But if they're not backed up by some scriptural reason, by God's will, then at some, point, at some point they're going to fall flat. At some point they're not going to be enough to cause a child to want to obey them. Um, I said so only goes so far in parenting. It's not a reason for anything when you talk when you think about it. It's just a power play essentially. You're saying I said so. I'm the dad. You're going to do it, just like a boss would say. Right? That's essentially what it comes down to. Now, children are commanded to obey their parents. So Ephesians six one, children obey your parents and Lord for this is right. Colossians three twenty, children be obedient to your parents in all things for this is well pleasing to the Lord. So. Children are commanded to obey. So you don't, you're not expected to justify your reason biblically every time you tell them to do something. They are expected and commanded to obey. But at some point, if you can't back that up and you're not reasoning it out with them scripturally, it's going to fall flat. Um, if it's just your, particularly if it's your personal preference, uh, that's going to wear out and it's going to tempt children to anger and rebellion. As a parent, our opinions are not the standard. If our opinion was set up as a standard, you know, if our opinions are set up as the standard as to how things should go in our house, at some point, the child gets to an age, 10, 11, 12, something maybe younger, where they start thinking, well, I have a different opinion and I don't see the reason for your opinion. So I'm going to rebel. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to do what makes sense to me and I'm going to follow my opinion. That's not the way it works with Scripture. When Scripture is the standard, it can't be as lightly disregarded. The Scripture is objective, authoritative, and irrefutable. We, we as parents, are subject to the Word, just as our kids are. So children should be able to vividly see us striving to live out the Word as we teach them to do the same. They should be seeing us subject to the Word as we're asking them to be subject to the Word or as we're really commanding them to be subject to the Word and leading them to do so. so. Disregarding your personal standard opinions carries no eternal or even lifelong consequences. Disregarding God's Word carries consequences both in this life, which sometimes end up being lifelong things, but they also carry eternal consequences. Okay, next, discipline. You need to be on the same page as parents about how you're going to discipline the word discipline, I really prefer the word training. You know, Discipline to me sounds more like you did something wrong and we're going to discipline you. Well, that's what it is. But really, the point of the discipline is to train them in godliness. And so it's not just the discipline. We could discipline somebody to do our will. But if we're going to train them, we're going to train them in what they ought to be doing in order to please God. Now, you know, being on the same page with this is going to require more discussion, more agreement, planning, and commitment. And I said planning. You're going to have to actually plan this. It's not something you just go, oh, well, this is what we do. It requires a plan on how to go about this on a regular basis. Spanking is the prescribed way of doing training in Scripture. God prescribes using the rod. Proverbs 13:24. He who withholds his rod hates his son but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Proverbs twenty-two, fifteen: foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Now, there's several more passages in the Proverbs which address the fact that the rod is useful for removing foolishness overall, talking about maybe a slave who's being foolish. He's going to get a whipping and then he's going to figure it out, right? The rod is going to correct anybody, but it's good for taking out It's good for removing foolishness overall. Well, when we talk about foolishness being bound up in the heart of a child, then that means that those verses would apply too, right? I'm not going to go through all those, but there's several in Proverbs just addressing that. So why is foolishness bound up in the heart of a child? Well, because they're born with sin natures. They're born with the innate selfishness and the desire to get their own way. They come into this world effectively as rebels against God, parents, and everyone else who doesn't give them what they want. That's how they come in. They come in born to sin, just like we all did. And so they are foolish in that regard. Left to their own devices, children become increasingly more foolish and antisocial. We know this is true because Psalms 111 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So without that fear of the Lord, they're not going to have wisdom. That's the beginning of wisdom. So if they're unbelieving children, then they're bound to be foolish. That's all they can do. Proverbs 1, seven: the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Do little kids like wisdom and instruction? No. Um, Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So does that mean that if, when they become believers, all of their foolishness immediately disappears? Of course not. Of course not. Of course, at that time, they have the power of the Holy Spirit and the enabling of the Holy Spirit in their life to help them but people are sanctified at differing rates. We've talked about that a lot in this class, that we are all being sanctified by the Lord at differing rates. We're not all just believers and we become perfect. Unfortunately, that would be wonderful. Um, adults, but adults have a greater capacity for reason and, ap- and application of principles than children do. So because of our past, because of our experience and our you know putting things together, we can look back, we can look at the Word, and we can apply the Word in a more full way we have a greater capacity for that uh, and an adult is able to better uh, apply what he learns so children don't have that experience they don't have that reasoning ability that a adult has so think this through a believing adult with the enablement of the indwelling holy spirit is able to read god's word the revelation of god and his will to us By the breathing out of the Holy Spirit. So 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says that the word is breathed out by God. Reason it through, consider how it relates to his life, thoughtfully consider what is required to change to be in conformity to God's revealed will, and act on it. So that's the adult. On the other hand, a believing child, even with the enabling of the Holy Spirit, particularly one who does not read or read well yet, lacks the capacity to thoughtfully apply god's word in the same way as an adult hence god's gift of parents to children that's why we exist as parents to lead them in the way that's going to be pleasing to god and in obedience to his word so parents in so when you think that through parents have the responsibility to teach the word to their children particularly before they can read it themselves. So rather than just let them continue on in their sinfulness, as parents, we are to guide them in the word. So this goes back to what I talked about last week, using music. Um, if, you, if That's a great way to teach kids verses, you know, teach them God's word and things that you can go, refer back to because they've learned it by singing a song, right? Um, there's all, you, repetition is the mother of learning. So when you read things from the word, you pick those things that are going to be, just like we should be doing, gearing those things to the sin that we're dealing with and read those things to them over and over and over again, and they will learn God's word. Kids are sponges. They just are, and they are way more capable than we usually give them credit for. They are much smarter. So as they are sponges, do we want to plunge them into the water of the word? or do we want to let them soak up a lot of garbage from the river of the world around us, right? We have that opportunity. We have that responsibility to be instilling in them God's word. Parents have opportunity, responsibility, and accountability to steward their parenting well. We've said it before in this class, and I'm sure it will be said again after this morning. Um, God gives gives us children to enjoy. We you know, Psalm 27 says, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. So God gives us children to enjoy. However, children are not ours to do with as we please. We are put in place that we would be stewards just like we should be good stewards of everything that God gives us and use it for His glory. Same goes for our kids. So in Ephesians 6, 4, we talked about this before. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So that's the command specifically to fathers, but it's going to apply to both father and mother. And Colossians 3, 21, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. So that was on using the rod. Um, A couple more on that. Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him that almost sounds like sarcasm right it's like it's like if you if you spank him he's not going to die okay <laughs> you shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from sheol that's a that's pretty big you know you're you're saying you're going to rescue him from death if you are consistent with the rod and do it rightly proverbs 29:15 the rod and reproof give wisdom but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother we all have seen that before, right? A child that's getting its own way in the store or somewhere at the park or whatever, and it's bringing shame to his mother. Um, we've seen that before. Um, so we're going to use the rod, which in our terms would be spanking, right? Okay. So every time I record this, I'm a little concerned about saying something that's going to get me arrested or something. <laughs> so spanking rightly. So correcting your children is not optional, and spanking them is the main biblical biblically prescribed manner dads and moms need to be on the same page with how to go about this so you can't just say okay we're going to spank and that's it now there's a process to it and you need to be on the same page as to how to do this yeah i told you you're going to get way more than just the topic this morning so a few pointers on spanking don't discipline in anger you are representing god as you train your kids and god disciplines his children read in hebrews 12 my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you were reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. God disciplines his children in love, and we are to do the same with our own kids. And God's wrath is on sin and sinners, but his grace is in his patience with us and with sinners in general. We read in 2 Peter 2, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient Towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. We all know God's common grace in that He doesn't destroy people as soon as they're born and they're sinning rebels, right? He allows us to, to understand the Word, to hear the truth of the gospel, to trust in that gospel. And He's patient with sinners. So as you discipline, it's for the purpose of their godliness, keeping that in mind, that the point of training is for their godliness not for our convenience, not to make our life more pleasant or the the household more pleasant. God's purposes are over all we do in our homes and therefore the purpose for training and disciplining children. Now, we've covered anger in different ways several times in this class, but one main point of our lessons has been that there's very little anger. Very little of our anger is righteous. Very, very little of our... There's sometimes that we have righteous anger, but for the most part, anger comes as a, as a response to our own will being crossed, not that God's will has been violated. So we need to keep that in mind when we start feeling angry. Remember James 1, Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So remember that training, <clears throat> this is point number two, remember that training or disciplined moments are sometimes golden opportunities to discuss the gospel and Christ's work for the redemption of sinners. When you have a child who has transgressed your rules in your house that should be based on God's word or God's word directly, hopefully you're spanking more for sin than you are for transgressing a rule, right? So you are training them in righteousness as you do that. And as you've applied some pain to the God-given sufficiently padded area of attention-getting, It's a door is open to you at that point to speak the truth of God's word into their life and the greater pain that's going to come from a life of disobeying him. We have opportunity to talk about eternal things when you have that kid sitting there with you and you've gotten their attention and you're talking about something they just did. You have right, you have sin you're dealing with right then. That's a perfect time to talk about the cross talk about repentance number three use training times to speak the word into them so i guess that was a repeat of number two but speak the word into them and and teach them that's an opportunity for you to do that number four make it loving and calm so don't do it in anger and it's a process you do it and you do it as a process and and if you want the process if you if you want a great example or sample process what pages one forty 140 and one forty one give a great example in there. Um, and I actually couldn't find it in any of the other books. I couldn't find a listing and maybe they're afraid of getting arrested, I don't know. But <laughs> couldn't find a good explanation of how to go about it in a way that made sense. And I was telling you I was gonna teach the A C B C class, I'm like, I can't find a good explanation. She goes, I know a book that's got it. And I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> so I used that. <laughs> but it So the process, you're going to make it calm, loving, and it's got to be a time when you are using the word and discussing bigger things. Um, Number five, leave the training time as pals again. Um, There should not be any tension between you and the child when you leave the training session because it is a process, and they should expect what's going to happen, and they should understand that this is what happens when they transgress, right? Well, when you leave the room, you should have done some reconciliation during that time, too. And that takes time. This all takes time. Parenting is not an easy, non-time-consuming thing. <laughs> it takes time to do this. So you need to be ready for that. And all the ones that don't have kids yet are like, I don't want kids now. <laughs> so, But it, it's a time-consuming thing. You need to sit and discuss. Sure, you do the spanking. But you do the spanking in a controlled way. You do it to a point that they are broken and they they are willing to listen because you guys know what happens. Maybe you just remember back to your own childhood. I remember me. You get the spanking, it just makes me mad. So then I stand up and I'm defiant. Well, my parents didn't give me a second spanking, but that's really, I mean, the point of being in there is to bring repentance and bring an opportunity for you to talk it through and be reconciled and have forgiveness and all those things. So, If that's not worked through, then training really hasn't happened. You might have a kid walking out. He's just more mad than he was when he went in. So dealing with that, in in my case, a lot of times, this is where Sierra hopefully doesn't jump up and say, -uh." no. But in my case, a lot of times, it would be tickle time or it would be joking around or whatever, just so that we were trying to leave um, with smiles on our faces rather than being, you know, upset. And number six, start early. The earlier you start and continue in consistency, the less you will need to discipline as they get older. So you do not want to get to be, and if you're in this position now, I'm not trying to harp on you, but it's not a good thing when you get to be eight, you know, they get to be eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old, and you're just now figuring out you should have been spanking. I mean, that's rough, it's really hard. That's been-
1: question how do you handle toddlers <laughs> that doesn't quite understand like you're you're wording with them and i mean we don't have kids yet but it's, um, i see that a lot where kids are having toddlers are having temper tantrums and like, how do you deal with that because they're not quite understanding what you're even saying to them
0: um they so they don't understand what you're saying to them i mean we are talking about a really really small toddler in that case so more. They still understand. They still understand the consequence of their action. Action consequence. Action consequence. Um, so they're going to understand that. Now, of course, you're not going to give them the same training session, spanking, you know, walk through, talk about the word, you know, make it age appropriate. You got to do that. But they understand action consequence very early on. So, it's, and you got to be mindful about that. You're not going to give them the same spanking that you're going to give to an eight-year-old. Um, you know, so, anything else on that?
1: I would say it has to be immediate. Like with, you know, a six-year-old, you can say, um, you can finish what you're doing. Finish the dish in, the, you know, the sink, whatever. And you go to the room when you come. But I think with a two-year-old, you have to be on it a lot faster because they have short memories and they forget easily. But um, there was actually, <clears throat> I got this from Bookie years ago, and it was so helpful in understanding how early you can start disciplining. And keep in mind that discipline is not for the parents' um, um, convenience. It's not so that we look good or we have a great life. It is so that they learn that they have transgressed the law of God. And you start when they're really little so that as they grow, this continues. But I actually did this with our third child. He was nine months old. And I had just been reading, they said, you can take, teach a nine-month-old... Um, to not touch something, and so the other kids were in bed. We were out like we were up. It was probably ten o'clock at night or whatever. He was for whatever reason didn't go to bed, so he's crawling around, and there was a comb on the floor, and he kept wanting to put it in his mouth. And so I said, No, you can't. You can't do that. Don't touch it. And so he would reach for it, and I'd smack his hand. It was no big deal, just a little smack on his hand, and he'd go reach for it again. No smack his hand. I don't know how many times I did that. Several times to the point where he crawled around that whole living room and never touched that comb ever again. We think kids can't comprehend because they don't understand English completely or whatever, but like Craig was saying, they understand that quick consequence. And I mean, obviously with that, you're training them so they don't put their fingers in the light sockets, you know, things like that, but they can wood stove.
0: Wood stove. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We have a
1: wood stove. So the grandbabies
0: now. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. So I talked about consistency. So be, be consistent. Um, this is a major downfall for many, if not most, parents. And this is also a very good reason why parents need to study, discuss, and agree on how to go about training kids, because you need to be consistent. Think about it. Anytime. Let's say your boss gets upset with you one day for one thing and then doesn't get upset the next day and gets upset with you about something else that you never talked about before. You know, it's like you have to be consistent in order for it to make have results. It's just have, we have to know, they, they have to know what the consequence is going to be, what the training session is going to be like, and they need to know why they're getting it. And we need to be consistent. And the only way that's going to happen is if we do it every single time. And if you do it every time and you start early, most likely, you're not going to have to do it very long because they understand I'm not getting away with stuff that I'm not supposed to do. You know, the longer we don't get in trouble for something, the more we're like, oh, I can, maybe I'll slide by this time. Oh, maybe I'll slide by. Oh, I didn't make it that time. You know, but we still try because we have we have gotten by without it. Right? Kids don't know what to expect when the parents aren't consistent. Uh, lastly, I think engage. And have their hearts. And how do you keep their hearts? Well, you enjoy their company and you make your company enjoyable to them. In other words, you develop a relationship and a friendship with your kids. Now, it's not the same kind of friendship you're going to have with your buddy from the baseball team, you know, or your friend from high school or something like that, obviously. It's a different relationship. But you need to have a loving relationship with your kids. Make them want to be with you All relationships require effort and time. Be willing and available to talk when they want to talk. Make them a priority over your work as you are able. I know a lot of people work at home now, and you can't just say, oh, my kid's here, I can spend time with him instead of working. That's not how it works. You still got to get the work done. But uh, as you're able, you know, don't make overworking a priority over your kids, over spending time with them. So over your projects around the house, over your hobbies, certainly. Because having their hearts is more important than any of those things. God commands us to parent well and train our kids in His instruction. God doesn't command you to do any of these other things as priorities. So, I mean, we have things that we want to do, but God doesn't command us to do any of those. He does command us to train up our kids in the fear and instruction of the Lord. Uh, Particularly for dads as far as relationship goes start early if you can with regular date nights with each of the kids this is just an idea um but and if you have several kids you don't do them all every week you know you cycle through them one a week or something so that you are spending concentrated time with them and developing relationship do what they like within reason include dessert or stop at their favorite store to go window shopping uh, have time to talk. Ask them important questions and listen for the answers and, and engage with them. Uh, keep the lines of communication open. And why does it matter to do this? Because it's more difficult to sin against people you have, who have invested in a relationship with you. The people that you know are loving you sacrificially, it's more difficult to sin against them. It's more difficult to disappoint those people. You want to have a relationship, and you were, again, you're representing God as you are training your kids. It's much harder to create distance from someone who is actively drawn close to you. On the other hand, it's way easier to accept the counsel and instruction from someone who has actively sought out your opinions and thoughts. And um, one more thing. So, as I've said before, Proverbs, going through Proverbs is a great way. You know, Ron's talked about family worship in here, and there's lots of ideas on how to do that. But going through the Proverbs with the family, and this is an easy way to do it. It was for us anyway. And we didn't do it consistently. We didn't do it forever. But I felt like it was a good thing to do. Um, But when you're sitting at the dinner table, if that's not a practice of yours, maybe it's something to start because it's a great family time together at the table. But after dinner, the pattern becomes you open the Bible and you go to whatever chapter of Proverbs is the day of the month. So if it's May 11th, you open up Proverbs 11. And if you missed on the 10th, you don't go back and do two chapters, okay? You just do the one, do the one chapter for the day. And as you do this, month after month, keep doing it, they're going to start learning the Proverbs because the Proverbs are designed to be remembered. And there's a lot of wonderful wisdom principles in there and you can relate those things really well to the new testament as well and when you go to do training are they gonna, are you gonna be able to pop out one of those proverbs that they've been hearing over and over again and say remember what the word says about being a fool well yeah, know that's where we're at you know let's have a training <laughs> session you know so you have some things to work with and you don't have to read the whole chapter if you have little kids you know, pick out, you know, you don't need to be reading the ones, you know, chapters five, six, and seven about lust. You probably just don't need to do that. Just, you know, hit the ones that makes it, hit the one, pick out some choice ones in the chapter if you need to, okay? Um, there's a whole lot in Proverbs encouraging us to, to wise obedience, avoiding foolishness, as well as wise, wise stewardship work and relationships. It's easy to remember, um, and if you don't and if they get tired of doing proverbs, that's okay.'ve you've, you've already established a pattern. We finished dinner, we're opening the Bible. What do you want to read now? Okay we'll do Ephesians. okay, we'll do Romans. okay? We'll do whatever. So you've already established the pattern, but that's a great way to establish the pattern. Uh, I think that's all I have. Um, we're, I'm a little bit over, but did anybody else have any other questions? Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Do you have the same question, or are you just raising your hand for? her? Okay. Um, I have a question
1: about. I came in very last minute, obviously, but um, when you realize, oh, we've not been consistent. There's seven or whatever. How do you start doing that without like feeling like this massive shift in like how do you do you just start?
0: Yeah, you just start doing it. Maybe explain to them, maybe explain to them, we haven't been consistent in this and we're going to be consistent, and this is why.
1: You
0: know, This is important that we are consistent in these things. So yeah, definitely. And we've actually, Yvonne and I have counseled couples that they haven't been consistent and it doesn't take long in that consistency before the child figures out, oh wait a second, this is a whole change, this is a whole new world here and I'm not getting away with the stuff I used to get away with and behavior problems smooth out quite a bit in a very short time. It doesn't take long. Um, how do you think about doing this when you have a lot of young kids and usually when you're it's a single parent at home at whatever time and when you take 10 minutes away with one kid the others aren't having issues or most of the time when there's sin involved there's at least two kids that have <laughs> <laughs> so you're disciplining two instead of when one
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah so that's i mean that's a big logistical question as far as you know you do have to work that through um i i think part of that comes and you can jump in but it, i think part of that comes in training the kids training the other kids to be um obedient in waiting so you're training the other ones that if i'm going to go do this you need to stay right here and when they don't then they get the training session you know what i mean so you're training them overall and this is the way it's you know this is the way our household works and when this one's when any of the children are in for a training session the rest of you stay right here until i get back i think so
1: And I think, like, if you have a baby, then the baby goes in the crib for five minutes or so. As long as it takes, yeah. Yeah, so that you know that there's no danger.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay, anything else? I'm all heated up now. (laughs) Keep going, this is good. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: probably a really dumb question.
0: Probably about. I just listened to a podcast with Stuart Scott, and he said 11 or 12 years old, okay. and I'd say that's about right. I
1: think both of our boys got spanked right at 13, yeah. but like that was kind of a rarity.
0: And it gets to be useless at some point. There needs to be some other training option at that point. So, and you know, if there's, if you have. Um, if you have foster kids in your home or something, you're gonna have to do something else, too You know the prescribed manner is the rod, but you may have to make changes, but if they're your kids This is the prescribed way for way. I mean So I think we're seeing a
1: really um, Kind of a scary wave right now through the evangelical circle We were talking about this and I mean like we're having another baby now but i mean we had our boys nine and eleven years ago and there's this new like gentle parenting movement yeah and um i was gonna just give y'all not that i'm like a seasoned mom but like don't feed into that lie because that's all over social media right now there's so much like arguing about that and they're bringing in a lot of psychology and it's like Mm -hmm. scripture is sufficient right Mm -hmm. and so Anyway, that's something we've been discussing. But it, I mean it's a balance. I mean, half the things on this side of the page would be gentle parenting. It's just you can't go all the way on this side or all the way on that Yeah, and just throw out discipline altogether.
0: Yeah. So if you guys want to read that or if you want to listen to that podcast that Stuart Scott's exactly what he's addressing, is the fact that our world is is very anti-spanking, essentially. And uh, they, they, they put it in terms of do you hit your child? Well it's not hitting my child. It's it's spanking my child, and I do it in a loving way, and I have a process for doing this. And so uh, that's what he's addressing in there. So if you guys want to listen to that, it's at biblicalcounseling.com, and it's uh, you could probably just look up. Um, I think it's mistakes. I think it's mistakes parents make in spanking. Um, Stuart Scott, and that's uh, Stuart S T U A R T. Um, and it's good it's good, good conversation so okay yes ma'am
1: um, as a grandparent and our oldest son sitting here I just want to encourage you all uh, two things I was thinking excellent
0: well, thank you um, wives we do need to be submissive to our husbands and it's even though sometimes we
1: don't quite agree, if we've talked it through and we defer, and the Lord honors that, mm-hmm. so I know it's a sometimes it's a struggle when you're disciplining, but to for your children to see yes, you know, Dad is, Mom and Dad are working together here is huge, and also um, what you said. For our children to see, yes, mom and dad are submitting to the Lord and to say to them, we haven't done this right, but now God has shown us this. And the honesty and the humility that your mm-hmm. kids see as you're walking with, with God, too, and you're learning and you're changing, it just shows there's a relationship there. And that's what ultimately we're trying to point them, you know, to Jesus.
0: Mm-hmm. And and the Lord is yeah, and... I'd like to add on to what you said about this submission, of wife. submission. One thing we had, We I'm just going to reiterate it from last week, but it's way easier for a wife to submit to a husband who is following the Lord and who wants to please the Lord in his marriage relationship and in his family overall, and he makes it very evident. It's going to be, so, you know, the one that says, well, she needs to submit, well, you're supposed to be loving sacrificially like Christ loved the church and living with her in an understanding way. So there's two sides of that, and that submitting verse is not written to you. So, (laughs) you know, pay attention to the ones that are and put those into actions really well. So anyway. No. I was getting ready to pray. (laughs) All right, go on. spanking is
1: something that any of you are uncomfortable with because just because you're at Grace Community Church doesn't mean this is something you've all been taught and you might be uncomfortable with it. One thing that is helpful or could be helpful is you do, do a study on the passages in, in Scripture and Proverbs that talk about uh, spanking your child and look at the consequences if you don't. God does not lie and God never changes. And so even though the world says, oh, you're hitting your child, you need to be more gentle, all these things that the world is telling you, it's very important that you see the consequences because it helps to, it helps you to build your conviction according to scripture, like, oh my word, I hate my child if I don't spank them. Oh my world or my word, the child's going to bring shame to me if I And we can look around and see children that have brought shame to their moms because it haven't spanked. So I just think Mm -hmm. that might be helpful as well, and we will we will talk you through
0: it if anybody's (laughs) wrestling. Yeah, so I think also um, like so I didn't I grew up getting spanked out of anger a lot. I think she grew up not a lot of discipline. Mm -hmm. So for us it was at first hard to to know. Like even hearing the structure, it's like well how do you actually walk through that? Mm And so, uh, you know, with Eli, I feel like we've kind of figured it out. Um, but it's coming from seeing other couples do it. Like, actually, like, I, I need to see a real example
1: of someone actually doing it. So just kind of throwing that out there. Like, That's been one of the most helpful things,
0: too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Do you guys want me to read that? Does anybody want does anybody in the class want me to read? I've got two. I got two. I've got two. I got can I have three? Can I have four? Can I have five?
1: <laughs> okay, let
0: all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this so you guys have the structure that that is listed out in this fine uh, piece of work book here. So
1: this, this. Okay,
0: so uh, this is page, pages one forty 140, one forty-one if you have the book. Uh, And if you don't, get the book. I guarantee you, the author is not making any money on these books. This is ministry stuff here, okay? Um, There are various ways to implement these principles, but I will briefly describe how biblical discipline was typically administered in our home. Once it was established that a child had been sinful and thus required discipline, we would call him to us in a calm, controlled voice. Which, by the way, you get to a point where you can basically just look at them and they know they sinned and you're like, go to the room, and they just get up and walk out. Um, If others were in the room, we would quietly instruct the child to go to our bedroom, which was the designated place for receiving discipline. It was private and free from interruptions. It allowed us to speak to the child about his sin and administer the spanking without causing humiliation in front of others. Before administering the spanking, we typically asked the child to explain why they were receiving the discipline. This eliminated potential confusion or misunderstanding on both sides. He was then instructed to lie over the bed with his hands up beside his head. So he wouldn't accidentally get swatted. So this is the careful process part of this. His little backside would be facing up while his legs would hang over the edge of the bed. With the paddle, which use a paddle, if you use your hands, they're gonna, they're going to, for one, with your hand, you're whacking their back. You know, you're just messing, you have to hit too hard to get a little sting out of it. So if you use something that's you're not using a paddle. <laughs> you're using Something, something. yeah, no oars. Wood, you know, you see those wooden spoon survivor shirts? Yeah, it's because a wooden spoon works. Um, with the paddle, we administered swats directly to his backside, carefully avoiding his back and legs. We swatted only hard enough for him to feel the pain of spanking, but not hard enough to bruise or cause welts. So you're trying to give a little sting to get their attention. You're not trying to hurt them, like, you know, long-term hurt them. One particular child was often struggling... One particular child often struggled to lay still, which made spanking without causing harm difficult. In this case, we would sit on the edge of the bed. The child's legs were firmly yet gently held between our legs while he leaned over one knee. So you guys get the picture there? You're sitting there with the child, legs between your legs. Uh, with one arm, we gently yet firmly held his arms and back out of the way while administering the swats with the other hand. This gave us greater control and prevented us from swatting flailing arms or legs. If, when the spanking was over, the child stood up in defiance or rebellious anger, we would encourage him to change his attitude. If he refused, we would instruct him to turn over for another spanking. Our goal was to bring heart change through the teaching of God's Word. If he was still angry and rebellious after the spanking, he would not listen to the biblical instruction. Thus, another spanking was necessary." Once the spanking was finished, we would take him on our lap in an embrace and discuss his sin. It allowed us to bring God's word to bear on the situation and help to understand how he had displeased God. We also discussed what he could do differently in the future. Our goal was to leave the bedroom in harmony with all traces of sin and discipline gone. My husband often tickled the kids or joked with them, so they left the room in laughter rather than in anger or tears. So let me pray, and then because we're out of time. We're beyond out of time. Lord, thank you for this morning, and I, I thank you that you have blessed us with children to enjoy, that you have granted us um, the opportunity and the responsibility and the joy and the accountability of raising uh, children that you have given us that are really your children, and that we would pray that you would make us good stewards, that you would make us mindful of our responsibility that we have to train them up in the way they should go and to direct them in your word and in your instruction and fearing you. And Lord, that that would be our our goal of instruction as we train them up and that we would be in unity as mom and dads as we do that. Lord, I pray that you would grant us the ability to make time to work on these things and to um, make it a priority, uh, the priority it should be. We pray that you would go with each of us today and that you would uh, bless our time with our moms today also. And um, we just thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.